The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. (coughs) Sorry, Patrick. I don't think I can do the show tonight. Something's got me down. Was it a was it a was it a garbage truck by any chance? Uh, no, I think I caught something in New Zealand. <laughs> well, wait a minute. We just got to put the cruiserweight championship on you then. Oh, what's up, guys? This is Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts, and tonight we are reacting to WWE TLC 2017 from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And good God, one-third of this card has been changed and changed drastically. Well, one of them not so drastically, but one of them drastically. Well, it's not so much the... The who's out, it's the who's in that's important. True. And, of course, I am your host, Patrick Ketza, and joining me, as always, Mr. Harry Broadhurst, who uh, apparently came down with uh, meningitis. I mean, uh, sorry, meningitis. I'm sorry. You're fine, right? Um, I, I, I'm, I may or may not have the mumps. We'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, we have to put the Cruiserweight Championship on you then. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, it is, I thought this was going to be a short pay-per-view. Boy, was I wrong. (sighs) Just a couple of minutes after 11. True, this was not the three and a half hour war and piece of a pay-per-view we got two weeks ago, thank God. Real quick, before we get started, as always, we are a presentation of the W2M Network for more information, including our previous episodes, which we're going to do the one that we missed last week in the future, possibly the last episode of the year. More information on that later on, along with the brand new Top 25 for college football. And, of course, our preview of tonight's pay-per-view, which was effectively the Patrick Ketza show as I was stuck doing almost half of the damn predictions. I Be sure to check out... Huh? I was sick this week. I got a pass. I, am, I know. I am in the, I know. I am I'm not angry at you. <laughs> anyway, be sure to check out W2Mnet.com as well as all of our previous episodes on 411mania.com and last word on ProWrestling.com. And, and we promise eventually more written reviews. I wasn't even going to bring that up. Why did you have to bring that up? Because it's kind of a running gag at this point. You know. Anyway, did you watch the pre-show? I did, actually. Well, I caught some of the pre-show. I should be more specific. I got a little caught up in the Steelers and Bengals game I was watching because me and Christine were talking about it while she was back at home, and I got a little caught up and didn't realize it was after 7 until it was 7.15. Did you see the match? I did see the match. Then shall we get started? We shall. Our pre-show contest sees Alicia Fox go down via submission to the bank statement to Sasha Banks at 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Did you really expect anything different? 
Um, the match was better than I expected it to be after the clunker they had on the wall. See, I expected it to be decent. A, I missed the clunker, and B, I was thinking back to the mixed tag match that they had back in Baltimore. Yeah, but that had Rich Swan involved, so that's not fair. It also had Noam Dar. Well, Noam Dar's Noam Dar's the the male version of Alicia Fox. Exactly. Alicia Fox. Okay, that's enough of that. Do you realize that that do you realize if you put Alicia Fox with Braun Strowman, we can get that again? I'm not finished with Fox. My girlfriend Alicia Fox. I'm gonna. I'm going to apologize in advance for this. Uh, I called a show last night, so my voice is a little on the rough side. And I the didn't call a show, and mine's on the rough side. So. And there's the whole mumps thing. <laughs> um, I mean. I'm convinced Alicia Fox was drunk. <laughs> she tried to get Sasha Banks on the floor. She did the Vince McMahon walk. I'm convinced she was drunk. Not drunk, just crazy, or I guess crazy in air quotes, even though this is a radio podcast. It's done to portray the ridiculousness of the gimmick. So, I mean, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. I mean, it's what got her her mini-push a couple of years ago, too, being so crazy. It's what got her squashed by Naya was her being crazy. So I understand it, and it's pretty much what got her her T-shirt. But I I, I didn't think – go ahead. I was going to say, well, I mean, if you're going to throw a box of tissues and hit Naya in the forehead, she is going to squash you. True. Even though that was unintentional, I hope – with, with the way they both reacted when it happened, I hope. Still funny. Yeah. Um, in terms of the actual match itself, I mean, I saw some people that actually thought Fox was going to win. Seriously. I never really doubted that Banks was going to not, or I never doubted the idea that Banks would win. I, I figured the entire time she was going to win. And when they were actually focusing on the in-ring action, it wasn't that bad. But there was a lot of sizzle, not very much steak. But at least the steak that was there was good. But there was way too much sizzle. I think the thing with Alicia is is that she gets kind of she gets kind of this reputation for being all gimmick that people fail to realize that. She's been with the company for more than 10 years now, and she has improved drastically from where she was when she started. I'm not going to sit here and say she's the best worker on Raw because that's clearly not the case. At best right now, she's seventh. Isn't there only six in the roster? Huh? Aren't there only six on the roster? Um, Mickey, Alexa, Bailey, Sasha, Naya, and... Are Mickey, Alexa, Bailey, Sasha, Emma, uh, Oscar? I would put her. I would put her around on the same level as Nia Jax and ahead of Dana Brooke. The problem is Nia has more likable qualities. 
Uh, we'll save the talk about Naya for a show that she's on because I don't want to talk out of school about her, especially since she's taking time off. True. But anyway, no, I thought the uh, I thought the match was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I'm actually glad I made it over to the pre-show in time to see it. It wasn't like a great match or anything, but at the same time, it was a solid enough pre-show match to get the crowd hyped up with a babyface win to get them ready for the pay-per-view. Exactly what those pre-show matches need to be. I, I believe you have a term for this. Perfectly adequate wrestling. Well, that term is taken from Scott Keith, but yes. But that's what this was. This was perfectly adequate wrestling. As a matter of fact, pretty sure I actually put that exact phrase in my blurb on the preview. I said, expect a perfectly adequate wrestling match. Yeah, I, I think I gave it two and a half stars when we were talking about it in the uh, W2M wrestling chat. That sounds, I'm going to stand around that level, maybe a little bit lower, maybe two even, but between two and two and a half, which for these two is acceptable, and it's perfectly acceptable wrestling. Sorry. That's okay. So getting, getting into the main show, though, boy, uh, we're screwing around tonight. Holy cow. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Our opening contest sees the debut of Oscar as she defeats Emma via submission at nine minutes and twenty-three seconds with the Oscar lock. I I I I I, I was about to do that because that's my shit. We're not we're not screwing around as the opening contest. Blah blah blah. Revealing the results is my shtick on this show. Talk about the match. Hashtag give Emma a chance. Hashtag nope. Although to be fair, maybe yeah. maybe Emma never really had a clear shot at winning, but wow, Emma got a lot of offense in more than I think Oscar's last seventeen ma- or seventeen opponents in matches combined got on her. Well, uh, with the exception of Ember Moon, perhaps, and Nikki Cross oh, yeah. got. Nikki Cross got in a lot during the last woman standing match. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the big talking point here isn't necessarily going to be Oscar. It's going to be how good Emma looked. And I, I mean that both figuratively and literally. Um, yeah, that ass, though. Man, yeah, she wasn't the one that was, she was not the one that was talking about her butt over the course of the night. Um, America. Oh, wait, no, that's Australia. Australia. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, as far as the match goes, yeah, I think the big takeaway here is how good Emma looked in defeat, which, I mean, I, let me ask you a question. Is that a good thing? Should they have had a more dominating performance for Oscar in her debut, or do, are you okay with the fact that she more or less went 50-50 with Emma in her debut match? I'm kind of both ways on it, because... Likewise. It, huh? Likewise, go ahead. But my reason being is that you're still putting yourself into a corner with Asuka where, yes, she has to win, but you can't just have her steamroll everybody. This isn't developmental. But at the same time, you also make the argument that Asuka was the big fish in the small pond. And this was kind of, okay, you're not in the ocean, maybe, but you're in the sea, and you're not as big as you thought you were. And I'm okay with with who was able to do it, because to me, if you have 
Asuka go up against someone like a Sasha or a Bailey or, God forbid, Alexa, they have her completely steamroll them, to me that kind of wipes out everybody at once. So you can't really have that. So I'm okay with Emma kind of going 50-50 on her because this is the main roster. This is not developmental anymore. So I, I kind of see both sides to it. Yeah, my big thing was is they tend to put them in a no-win situation by doing something like this here. I think that when you do something like this here, when you have her come up and actually take on a member of the main roster who they have a lot of, uh, who they apparently have some kind of renewed confidence in in Emma, then you're asking for this kind of a match to occur. And while the match is entertaining for what it was, I think there's going to be a sect of the crowd that's going to be disappointed in the fact that Oscar didn't totally truck Emma. Do I agree with that? No, but there's going to be a group of fans that feel that way. I mean, a lot of people made the same argument like with Bobby Roode, although he wasn't as dominating. A lot of people made the same argument with Nakamura and the fact that Nakamura didn't even go 50-50 with Dolph Ziggler. He went more 30-70 and somehow still won because Ziggler dominated that match. At least in this case, it was a pretty much 50-50 match. And Asuka ends up, you know, looking good and wins via her moves, and it wasn't a fluky thing. So she still looks dominant and still looks ready to go. Now, I have a hunch, thanks to the episode of Raw Talk, they kind of, you know, smashed you over the head with it. My guess is, and I'll make the prediction here and now, Survivor Series? You're getting SmackDown versus Raw five-on-five women's match. I'll put money down. Asuka's the last one standing. Oh, yeah. I I don't think there's any question, and especially if it's a situation where Triple H has control of the show because I think Triple H is much more likely to protect his pet project than Vince would be. The fact that that Asuka won tonight, knowing that Triple H is in Chile, surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, I know, and you were kind of rooting for off to the lose, you bastard. I like Emma. I like Emma, too, and I mean that from both stances, as a wrestler and as an attractive woman, but at the same time, she didn't need to beat Oscar tonight. Tonight, to me, still would have been the perfect night to do it as kind of a humbling. Not to mention, if there was a chance of it happening, it would be tonight, with Triple H in Santiago, Chile, meaning Vince books the match. Well, anyway, Oscar does pick up the victory, and I agree with you about the Survivor Series match. Shall we move on? Yeah, sure. Why the hell not? What the hell was the second match? Oh, the uh, well, first, first, first there was um, Elias trying to sing his awesome new song, and apparently somebody deciding to be an asshole, and, well, sorry, language, apologies, yeah. uh, throw vegetables at him comedy club style. Thanks, Jason, you douche. My question is, why was Jason Jordan not being arrested for robbing a farmer's market? He had a full damn cart. Farmer's market, farmer's nothing, market, nothing. He raided catering, son. (laughs) No, because if it was raiding catering, the vegetables would not be in their full state. They'd be in tin trays. Okay, that's fair, actually. So, yeah, he may have actually... 
He may have actually attacked a, mini, a Minneapolis farmer's market that afternoon. Yeah. Actually, I don't think you see, because guess what? This isn't the only time it happened, but I don't think you see the cart in full until the second attack later in the night. He had a full cart of vegetables. <laughs> well, you know what the good news for me as an action figure fan is? is this means we're eventually going to get a Jason Jordan action figure with a shopping cart. And frankly, Mattel needs to release a shopping cart. So I'm all square. All right, Cruiserweight Tag Team Action is up next as Cedric uh, Allen. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, you know what else this means? We're going to get Jason Jordan and Elias Samson beating the hell out of each other in a grocery store. Dude, I'm totally down for that. Austin Booker C style, I'm down. Okay. (laughs) Remember you said that. (laughs) Here's the only problem, though. If they don't spend money on pyro, what makes you think they'll spend money to repair a grocery store? Anywho. Backstage grocery (laughs) store. All right, fair enough. Uh, Cruiserweight Tag Team Action sees the team of Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan defeat Jack Gallagher and the GDP Brian Kendrick. If you've been listening to the show, you know what that stands for. If you haven't, I can't help you. At eight minutes-ish, when Cedric Alexander pins Brian Kendrick with the lumbar check. How did he not end up six feet in the air on that lumbar check? Damn it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. You see the conversation that Paul and I had inside of the W2 on chat. That was part of the reason why I asked. <laughs> okay, so those of you who don't know, in regards to the GDP, um, there is a five-person elimination match on 205 Live to determine the number one contender to the Cruiserweight title going into No Mercy. That was obviously won by Enzo Amore. Cedric Alexander eliminated the other three people in this match with lumbar checks. Tony Nice. Eh, it was okay. No, I'm not. Eh, it was okay. Brian Kendrick took that lumbar check like a goddamn professional. <laughs> and ends up four and a half feet in the air. Rob Van Dam pile driver bump style. Absolutely. Hence the hang nickname. On, hang on, hang on. Who went higher then? The Brian Kendrick or Candice LeRae? Off of the one from Chris Dickinson in Beyond? No, off of Cedric Alexander. Oh, it was Cedric, wasn't it? That was an AIW. That was an AIW. Hmm, that's a good question. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the, the uh, Candace bump, and I'll let you know. I'll, I'll have that information for you next Sunday on Wrestling Unwrapped. Cliffhanger. Okay. Right, anyway, anyway uh, back to the match itself here. Yeah, so Kendrick once again takes the lumbar check tonight, and disappointingly only gets about a foot off of the ground for it. <laughs> Which led to the conversation between me and Paul of... Kendrick is significantly less of a GDP tonight, isn't he? And then Paul said, sadly, yes. <laughs> Shout out to Paul Reiser. You can hear him, Sean, and Gary doing the Wrestling to the Max TLC review on most of these same stations slash websites. Same wrestling time, same wrestling channel. Different wrestling providers. Not really, right. W2M. Anyway. Back um, to the match. This match told me one thing. This match told me one thing. That's what's next for Enzo? I agree. Besides that. Oh, so then it told you two things. Uh, no. Please put 205 before SmackDown. Because guess what? 
they gave you is a 205 Live main event quality match. The crowd was pretty dead going into it, but by the end, the crowd was into that match. And apparently, Cedric Alexander can also summon the wind. Ignoring Cedric Alexander's Hadouken abilities. Uh, I've been calling for them to either move, either move 205 Live to before SmackDown or to in a block with NXT for a while now. Unfortunately, they seem bound and determined to, to keep it after SmackDown Live, which is just killing the crowd heat for it. You give these guys adequate time and an opportunity to showcase themselves, which unfortunately Drew Gulak did not get tonight, which I was really looking forward to his PowerPoint presentation. You are a good person. They're, they have the opportunity to impress you. There are a lot of very good workers in the cruiserweight division. It's just they're put on at such a god-awful hour here on the East Coast most of the time that nobody cares. Yeah, because, I mean, if if they're in an arena that's on the East Coast, and even going so far as the Midwest, you're having 205 Live go on at 9, 10 o'clock at night. The crowd's dead by that point. And not just because of, oh, we just had, you know, two straight hours of SmackDown and everything. No, they're just freaking tired. Here, you give them a match very early in the night. You know, I think we were, what, about a half hour in at this point, And you gave them a pretty damn good match. And lo and behold, the crowd was all for it. It also helps that you probably have three of the best workers and all around four of the best guys to have in a division in this match. I would argue Kendrick's that not the, the worker he was. Kendrick's not the worker he was. I would make the argument that the most over babyface in the Cruiserweight division is in this match, too. They're trying to get him there. I don't think he's there yet. I actually wasn't referring to Cedric. I was referring to Swan. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Fans love Rich Swan. I think Cedric is going to get there. I think Cedric needs to establish more of a personality for himself, but I think the fans are definitely behind Richie Swan. They have been almost the entire time. I mean, he is a former Cruiserweight champion, one of only five to hold the distinction, I believe, so far. Six. Perkins, Kendrick, Swan, Neville, Enzo, Kalista. Six. You're right. Thank you. I said you were right, except it move on. Speaking <laughs> of moving on, shall we? Well, yeah. All right. The Raw Women's title is defended successfully by Alexa Bliss as she pins Nikki James DP at 11 minutes and 27 seconds, and words I never thought I'd say, when I grow up, I want to be Mickey James. <sighs> what the hell's wrong with you? It was a solid match. I wanted Mickey to win. Not oh, just being like an anti-Alexa thing. I just wanted Mickey to win. There will be plenty of time. Mickey will get her seventh before she's done. I think they're building up to a storyline where Mickey has her moment. Right now, I think going into Survivor Series, you need divisive heel Alexa as the captain of Team Raw. I think it works. She can convince one to go to seven. 
she can she can convince people to join her team by offering them shots at the title. If they win, and whoever wins, <laughs> yeah. If any member of if the Raw team wins and they survive, then Alexa offers them a shot at her title. That'll be the way she can get around having to defend the title for the month, and it'll give them enough of a focus for the women's division to want to be able to be a part of this match. The match itself is pretty good. I, to me, I, and, and I caught some flag for how I worded it, but I'll still word it the same way here. To me, Mickey dragged Alexa to Alexa's best match. Not anybody or Mickey's best match, but I thought it was Alexa's best match. You say dragged like Alexa had nothing to do with it, though. That's very condescending towards Alexa. She's not that good of an in-ring worker, though. In-ring promos, she's untouched. But in-ring, she's not that good. I disagree. I think she's she's gotten much better since she's come up from NXT. Is she the best wrestler in the women's division? Absolutely not. But she's the best personality by far, and personality can go a long way to carry a match. Well, there's no doubt about that. She's far and away the best talker they have. She has the most charisma out of anyone that they have, you know, and I'm not going to deny that part. But to me, in ring, she still leaves a lot to be desired. So, yeah, I'm going to still say, I mean, okay, Taking out the Mickey dragged her two part, do you think this was Alexa's best match? Uh, it's up there. I don't know if it was her best. I mean, I thought the Bailey matches, with the exception of the Extreme Bulls debacle, were pretty good. Oh, God, that match. Yeah, don't get me started on that. That had more to do with booking than it did with any either of the two women, though. I know, I know. God, that match. Anyway, um, I mean, this felt less of, granted, like I said, this felt like, it almost originally felt like this was Mickey's last stand with how, you know, the age and all of that. But to me, this was, once I saw the match, this almost felt like a possible and I know I've said things like this before, and it ended up not panning out. Hello, Luke Harper. To me, this felt like this could be the start of a resurgence for Mickey James. Because, like we said, she wants number seven. And who knows how she'll get it. If she gets well, it. Well, wrestling and rep fans, we apologize for, for screwing Mickey James up now, much the same way we did Luke Harper back at Elimination Chamber. Uh, I wanted number seven. Well, Especially because for the second con- for the second consecutive time, Mickey James gets put into a degrading storyline and loses. It looks the bright side. At least she's not fat anymore. She wasn't fat then. I'm not disagreeing with you, but at least she's not fat in storyline anymore either. True. Now she's just old despite the fact that she's not the oldest woman, she's not the oldest female on the entire WWE roster. She, well, but the other one doesn't count because she's missed like six years' worth of injuries. Okay, she's still on the roster, and she still wrestles occasionally. She shouldn't be on the... Never mind. 
time that You're right. You're right. But there, all right, there, we're, we're, we're going to snook around the back on this and just move on to the next match. That was freaking awful. James's interview talks about that she was proud of the work that she put in in her performance in this match, and she said she hopes for another shot down the road. Backstage, Ambrose and Rollins approach Kurt and offer him a shield vest. Aw, team bonding. Hey, honestly, I thought it was a nice touch. I really did. I thought it was a well, cool thing. The best part about it to me was at the tail end, as they were, as Angle said, Angle's, Ambrose said something along the lines of, just give us the best you got. And then Angle looks back at him and goes, believe that. I thought that was a nice touch. No, yeah. the, the one thing when we get to their match that I was unhappy with is the fact that it's great that Kirk came out wearing the vest. Why could he not have come out in his singlet and the vest? Actually, I had a different idea, and I'll talk to you about it when we get to the match. Okay. Well, before we get to that, we have to get to the match of why the hell is this in this position, Cruiserweight no. Championship match, Kalisto no. versus Enzo. No, we're not there yet. We have another Elias segment before that. Oh, for... Jason Jordan shows up, throws more fruits and vegetables, and then the Cruiserweight title match, where Enzo Amore is now a two-time Cruiserweight champion, pinning Kalisto at around the nine-minute mark with Jodunzo. Eat defeat. Soul food. What up, sexy Chucky e. T? Either way, Enzo's a two-time <sighs> champ. I think he kind of had to have Enzo win here in order to make the uh, alliance that he has with the other cruiserweights on 205 Live make any kind of sense. Remember, Patrick, he who has the belt has the power. I know, I know, I know. Doesn't mean I have to like it. I, why the hell would you even, well, okay, I know why, but why the hell would you even give Callisto, Callisto the damn belt? Because Eddie Guerrero birthday. I know. Like I said, I know why, but why? That irritated me, and I went off on it repeatedly on the 205 Live review here on the w Network. You can find those episodes in the archives and over on YouTube as well. Like, I, I, yes, Enzo is the <laughs> hashtag most polarizing figure on the Cruiserweight roster. I totally get that. The fact that he still sells money, I, or still, you know, makes money, I totally get that. But the whole thing stinks. Are you saying it stinks, it stinks, it stinks? Sure, why not? <laughs> because yes, Mr. Broadhurst, everything stinks. Well, everybody poops. Yeah, and everyone's opinion is like an a-hole. Everyone's got one, and most of them stink. Anyway, I, I, I just, I wasn't happy with this match. Maybe it is a little bit of Chicago bias. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll openly say that might play a part in this. But I just, I didn't like it when it happened, you know, 
I didn't like it when they did it with Tozawa off of Neville. Wow, I almost forgot. Yeah, with Tozawa off of Neville, and then they go right back to it literally in the same week. I don't like it here. Congratulations, Patrick. You just proved yourself wrong. Seven Cruiserweight champions. Yeah, I forgot about Tozawa. You and me both, and apparently so has Creative. Yep. Uh, so, so, uh, so for those for uh, those keeping score, so for those keeping score, TJP, Kendrick, Swan, Neville, Tozawa, Enzo, Kalisto. So technically, Enzo joins that guy whose name we're not allowed to mention anymore, CM Punk style, as the only two-time champ, cruiserweight champions of the relaunch of the belt. Ironically, both of them coming on. Less than, <laughs> one of them coming, or both of those reigns be ending and re-beginning in uh, barely a pay-per-view to pay-per-view span. Okay, so, uh, so uh, all right, anyway, um, back to, uh, back to this match itself here. Um, so is it just me or is Enzo either getting sick or already sick? Yeah. This this we gotta talk about. My so that, name is Enzo Amore. He didn't and sound I like Kane. Huh? He didn't sound like Kane. Sorry, Dad. Kane. Anyway, um, but yeah, in in cutting his promo, and then for some reason, hey, this guy's got no voice. Let's have him cut two promos. Thank you, creative. And possibly infect, and possi- possibly infect cute Charlie with his germs as well. Because Enzo Mori damn near doesn't have a voice tonight when he has to cut his promos, both of them. Hey, Harry, you know how there's, you know, a, a virus going around in the WWE locker room? Yeah, it's called mumps. Yeah. Do you know what one of the major symptoms of mumps is? Being Enzo Amore? <laughs> Losing your voice. So I'm not saying, maybe it, maybe it was closer to what he was saying and he just partied a little too hard. But if a major symptom of mumps is losing your voice, if you have a wrestler who's losing his voice, it's not a risk I'd want to take. And that pretty much proves they really don't give a rat's ass about the cruiserweights if they're willing to go out and do that. Because you could make the argument now that Enzo, if he does have mums, may have infected Kalisto and may have infected Charlie Caruso. And God knows how many other people, because he was getting pretty close to some of those fans at ringside. And you're still going to send him out there? You idiot! He was also pretty close to Austin Aries backstage. Huh? <laughs> I'll send you the picture when we get done with the show. Oh, boy. Aries was backstage at TLC tonight. Oh. So apparently he didn't burn his bridge that thoroughly. Well. Yet. Give him time. He still works for the company. That's true. 
All right, so. shall we move on? By all means. All right. Post-match promo, yada, 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 I'm moving on. Our next contest sees the demon Finn Balor defeat Bray Wyatt. What? What? Rewind. Sees the demon Finn Balor defeat AJ Styles via pinfall at 18 minutes and 20 seconds with the coup de gras. So, AJ Styles is Sister Abigail? You know what? This is shocking news to me as well. <laughs> yeah, so Bray Wyatt definitely has the mumps. <laughs> he ain't coming tonight. Well, he might. Never mind. Well, he's. He may not have the mumps. He may be related to a person who does have the mumps and was quarantined. Sure. So instead of getting Pumpkin Spice King versus dressing in drag Bray, uh, we're getting Bulletproof Leader. What? Sorry, can I interrupt and make your joke a little bit better? Sure. Instead of getting Pumpkin Spice King versus Drag Queen, carry on. All right, yeah, fair. That's fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Fair enough, carry on. Instead, we're getting a battle of the former Bullet Club leaders. Hey, no, Patrick, I didn't want to bring it up, but I kind of had to. Patrick, dare I say this match was too sweet? Go to hell. <laughs> I'm hosting a podcast with you. I'm pretty sure I'm already there. Yeah, and I had to listen to one, two, three for the entire match. Yeah, well, you know what you're getting with these two. At the same time, you also know what you're getting in the ring from these two, and bravo, gentlemen, on such short notice. I mean, was it their best? No. Was it pretty damn close and probably the best they could pull on two days' notice? Hell yeah. And I would say it was Bray's best match of the calendar year. Or not Bray's, Finn's, sorry. <laughs> well, it actually may have been Bray's best match and he wasn't in it. <laughs> it was definitely Finn's best match of the calendar year. It was not Styles's though. Oh, God. Styles? Styles' best match of the calendar year already happened at a show we did earlier in the year for WU Reacts at the Royal Rumble. Exactly. With a, I would say, a moderately close second being his Mania match. I wasn't as big of a fan of, of, the, of the Shane matches that a lot of other people were. Eh. Anyway. Um, yeah. You know, I heard a lot of people complain and saying that the announcement of this match and the hype that it gets proves that the brand split should not happen because we should not have waited this long for this match. That is completely... Yeah. To me, this proves that the brand split is working. Because of the fact that you announced this match on Friday, 48 hours ago, and the fans go nuts. It's a must-see match. Some have argued, I don't know, 
that it may have saved this pay-per-view. It wouldn't feel so special if there was a chance that you could get this literally every week. By this point, we probably would have gotten the match six times. So, no, the brand split works, and this is an example of that. And I did like the added touch. Finn was in red. AJ was in blue. Thank you, gentlemen. That actually, I, I appreciated that. And then the match happens, and maybe a little slow to start, but, man, did they turn it on. And they proved why they are two of the best. AJ Styles, even with him working for the lowly WWE, go to hell fans that, you know, want to try and pull crap like that, is still one of the best in the world. Finn Balor, if he gets the right person to go with, is one of the best in the world. And they proved that with this match. Surely, less than 20 minutes, who the hell cares? It was awesome. Um, Finn Balor, as long as he doesn't have to work with Bray Wyatt, is one of the best in the world. So. That's why I said, depending on who he's working with. It's unfortunate what creative has done to Wyatt and, and Balor to that extent, though. But at the same time, though, getting a shake up here did nothing but favors for Finn Balor because now Balor has a major name stamped on his conquered list as he gets ready to be elevated further up the raw card. Balor's a guy they had big hope for in last year's brand extension. I mean, obviously, the shoulder injury being what it was took any and all momentum that he may have had go away once he won the Universal title at SummerSlam last year. But Balor is slowly starting to make his way back into the upper echelon here, and a victory over a guy like AJ Styles, clean as a whistle in the center of the ring with the coup de grace, will do nothing but help him going forward. Yes. Speaking of that coup de grace, Yeah, I really you, should, he, he really should change his finish to 1916. Yeah, it looked, because... It looked like he was wanting something serious after that finish. Yeah, and if you look, he came straight down on AJ's gut. Just straight down. Landed full force, feet first. And yeah, it looked like he was limping something awful late in that match. And if, if you, all of a sudden he's going, you know, and something happens to him again, all of that momentum he's finally starting to build, goodbye. Uh, if you listen to the replay, you can actually hear the groan from AJ when the double stomp lands. I wonder why. Yeah, he, he got kind of pancaked with that one. Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely hope it wasn't intentional. And if anything, they were saying, hey, let's work this like we're in Japan. The fans are expecting it anyway. Too bad that they had to ruin the moment for me at the end. Because, no, I was not in favor of what they did at the end. But they're too sweet. Shut up. Sweet. Our next contest sees Jason Jordan pin, and that's in air quotes, even though this is a radio podcast. Elias at 8 minutes and 50 seconds with an inside cradle. No vegetables this time. No. 
I, I was trying to come up with something. Maybe a couple of potatoes. And, well, a banana peel for a finish. <laughs> Damn it, that's a good joke. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Elias is one of the few that he's gotten better on the main roster than he did in NXT. Jason Jordan is getting there? This match I didn't think was that bad, and for the love of God, though, I hope the ending was on purpose. Yes, I'm pretty certain it was because of the look on Elias's face. That or he, they really wanted to make that referee look strong. Well, actually, wouldn't it be make him look really stupid? Nope. The referee counted the three. The match was over. That's all that matters. Even though there were multiple replays showing he got his shoulder up? I think it's something... It's something going forward, Patrick. I agree with you. I think it was intentional, and I think it's possibly the beginning of something more with Kurt Angle or with Jason Jordan accidentally receiving the favor of the official's decisions and using it to his advantage to the point that he uses them to stack up a series of wins, maybe running his way back into the IC title picture, perhaps. Hmm. Oh, God, it just dawned on me. <sighs> well, considering who the IC champion is in the main storyline no. and our main event tonight. Yeah, well, it, it, let's get through this match first, then I'll tell you my idea. Because I have a hunch it may happen. You know how they're hammering into the ground that it's Raw versus SmackDown versus Survivor Series? I have a hunch we're only getting one Raw vs. SmackDown Survivor Series match. Not one Survivor Series match, though. Anyway. However, our main event is a five-on-three handicap TLC match with nothing hanging. Because, sure, why the hell not? It reason. Is the word... Yeah, because reason... <laughs> The word, actually, I think the actual answer to that question is because WCW. Might as well be. It is Braun Strowman, Kane, Cesaro, Sheamus, and they are teaming with the captain, the Intercontinental Champion, The Miz, taking on on Sierra, Hotel, Intensity, Integrity, Intelligence, Echo, Lima, Delta, The Shield, Kind of. It's Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, the Raw Tag Team Champions, teaming with, not Roman Reigns, Raw General Manager Kurt Angle. Shield point six six seven. Three eyes. Shield point eight. Well, shield point six six seven because it's two thirds of the shield and then a Kurt. Okay. Um, here's my question for you. Did you think the Hell in a Cell main event was too long? Um, yes and no. That's not an answer. It's not going to be an answer, because I was kind of, I, 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 I didn't like that it was as long as it was, but I understood why it was. 
to me, that suited its length better than this one did. Disagree. This did not have to be 36 minutes. This turned into complete and utter chaos and, at times, stupidity. I will have you know that... pushed pause on the match to do something else. And that, that didn't even lead to anything. I will have you know that I thought that them going full Wade Barrett with those chairs on Braun Strowman was actually a clever spot. Ray Barrett, John Cena, TLC, 2010, never mind. I know, I know, but I just, uh, I, this felt too long, and I can understand Kurt needing a break. I totally get that. You know, what Kurt, when Kurt was out there, Kurt looked good. And yes, you're taking a ungodly, insanely huge risk putting, you know, a oft-injured, I don't want to say shell of former self, but you're, you're taking a guy who is definitely in the twilight of his career, who has had injury issues in the past, and putting it into a match like this. I totally understand that circumstances... They wanted a big-time player, so they got a big-time player. But and when Kurt was out there, Kurt looked good. You know, he was hitting everything, although I think his first couple of chair shots were Lance Storm-esque. And he kind of lightly tapped the person. There were a couple um, people. There were a couple people in this match throwing Lance Storm chair shots. I mean... They're probably sitting there going, all right, a chunk of this roster sick. We don't need a chunk of this roster also being injured. Let's take it easy. It has to be something along those lines. Yeah, um, turn it down, guys. Please, for the love of God. And, and quit trying to break tables with Dean Ambrose because it's clearly not going to happen. Ow. And they powerbombed him in. And the thing Dude, about it, the other the other part about that is, Braun Chuck was it Braun Chuck Dean or did he power slam Dean? I think he chucked he Dean through the table. Dean barely broke the table on the second time. He broke it, but it looked like it had quite a bit of give to it before it finally broke. Um, yeah, it, tonight was a case of Japanese tables, ladders, and chairs. Apparently, Dean Ambrose weighs as much as Sasha Banks. That or they need to find a new table guy. Apparently. I, when there was major action, the, the problem is I think a lot of people went into this match expecting something along the lines of the SummerSlam main event, where it was nonstop, fast and furious, and it just kept going, and it didn't go that long. Well, in this case, you got a decent amount of action, but it went long. It went 36 minutes almost, and it just it seemed way too stretched out. You got some great moments, like Dean and Seth doing dives off of a ladder through both or through two of the announce tables, 
uh, onto Kane and Braun, which, by the way, that may be another injury because Seth was limping something awful after that dive because I'm pretty sure he hit his knee on the corner of the table. He hit his knee, but he was all right. He was... I think he, I think the knee was a sell because he was moving okay towards the end of the match. So I'm guessing the knee was a sell. Hopefully. And and then all of a sudden, it's like you get the one small thing of what a lot of people expected, and that was Kane hitting Braun with a chair and the infighting with those two. But then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, everyone in the match just goes, pause. And all of a sudden, Kane just starts beating the hell out of Braun, ch- chokeslams Braun through the stage, and then in the part that I actually really liked, pulls down one of the ropes of chairs, and all of the chairs just collapse onto Braun. Of course, Braun being Braun, two minutes later, it means jack all. But I thought that was a cool part, but it's like you literally just hit pause on the entire damn match. Well, you know why? You, you know why Braun? You know why Braun got out from under those chairs, right? Why? Because he's not finished with Kane. Apparently not. And then to top it off, Braun gets put into a garbage truck. Think about what I just said. Braun Strowman gets thrown into a garbage truck. Yeah, he got closed on him. Yeah, he got the Eric Bischoff treatment. Yeah, Braun Strowman does not deserve the Eric Bischoff treatment. I actually like Easy E, so you watch your filthy mouth. Braun's not being fired for being an a-hole. That's what the trial of Eric Bischoff was all about, was Eric being an a-hole. It's a work. Anywho. Point stands. Garbage truck. Anyway. All right, so back to the match itself. You see, I actually, I'm okay with this. And the reason I say that is because you were t- telling people to expect a spectacle when it came to this match here. I mean, you can pretty much throw out any and all semblance of reality when it comes to these kind of matches and just enjoy the spectacle. How much spectac- spectacle did you really get, though? Quite a bit. You got some table spots. You got a lot of chair usage. You didn't really get a lot of ladder stuff, though. Well, ladders are unpredictable and more likely to hurt people than chairs or tables are. Ask Joey Mercury how that worked out. Oh, you had to go there, you dirty, rotten. <sighs> but it's just, to me, this this... This was not a Shield TLC match to me. This was well, of course it wasn't was because Roman cool. wasn't involved. I think this game, I think the game plan for this match changed when Kurt got put into Roman's place, and I think that's part of the reason I'm willing to give the company even more of a pass than I traditionally would here because of the fact that hey, shit happens and plans got changed last minute. I, I mean. Yeah, you can kind of chalk this one up to circumstances. I, I just I was not a fan. Really, I should say I was not as much of a fan. You know, I think the debut Shield TLC match completely blows this one away. 
Jesus, and I dare you to try and disagree with me. Uh, not a comparison you can make. Two-thirds were still there. Does it matter? Like I You're said, really pushing this. <laughs> huh? You're really pushing this one, aren't you? Yes, because the match got changed last minute. There's only so much you can do when the situation dictates that changes have to be made on such a sudden circumstance. Frankly, I'm impressed you, that they put together, frankly, I'm impressed that they put together the match that they did given the circumstances. Did you need 20 minutes in between Kurt Angle appearances? Okay, so here's how I would have handled that. And I'm not saying this is how they should have handled it. Here's how I would have handled that. So Angle gets taken out, right? Angle comes back when the music hits, and he's rocking the full-on singlet again. Okay. He basically Olympics up. He takes something that would have taken most people out of the match and uses it as motivation to drive himself to come back in and whoop some ass. All right, fair point. I, I, so. I, think, that, I think that would have added a little bit to it, but at the same time, I think Kurt and the original look that everybody knows him for, that singlet look there, I also think that that's something that you kind of want to save until you can actually do something with it at an actual pay-per-view as well. So I get the reasoning here, too. Perhaps one in New Orleans? Uh, that would seem the most likely candidate, yes. Fair enough. So I, I, I will give credit to one thing. I did like the ending to this, which was basically take all members of the shield of tonight's shields finishers and then it finishes with uh oh what the hell did he call it the olympic shield bomb yeah and, and finish with the the shield triple power bomb but with kurt angle it is the olympic shield bomb I swear to God, if any place does a wrestling-themed menu for, like, a Monday Night Raw or a pay-per-view, that better be a damn drink on there at some point in the future. And Kurt Angle ends up picking up the victory. 36 minutes. Not terrible. So, but that about wraps up wwe tlc 2017 so it is about time for us to get into our big finish and as we always do the best and the worst match of the night this is this one might be tough because i don't really think there were that many bad matches but what's your worst match of the show uh i think i have to go with elias and jason jordan and mostly because of the fact that it was just thrown together the day of the show and then thrown into the death spot in between Finn and AJ and then the main event. So, nothing against these guys. I think that there's something competent there and there's something that will be worked out between them. I'm sure that this is just the beginning of a, of a script for them because of the fact that it finished the way that it did. But based on what all we saw in the ring tonight... I think I have to go with this as my worst match. Um, main event. No, I'm kidding. Um, Cruiserweight Championship. For me. 
Enzo Amore is not a cruiserweight. He just happens to be under 205 pounds. And a lot of times in this match, he was absurdly clunky. Thank God he was actually able to hit his finisher tonight because that's a move that he's about 50-50 on. When Chuck Taylor hits it, 100%. When Gail Kim hits it, 100%. Enzo Mori, 50-50 at best. At least he hit it. Um, but it was just, it was clunky. I feel bad for Kalisto. To me, Kalisto does deserve better in that he doesn't deserve Enzo Amore. Um, I was a fan of him for the longest time, but now it's just, eh, not a fan anymore. So, worst match for me. Alrighty. It's putting eyes on the 205 Live product. It's doing what it's supposed to do. I know. I like. I I know. I know that's what it was meant to do. I know that is what it's doing. But <sighs> this one should be a gimme. What's the best match of this show? Really. Did you hang up? No, I'm still here. I'm sorry. I have okay. I have con issues. I, I I literally just came this close to throwing up a few seconds ago. I uh, probably uh, a TMI. Not 100% over my bug yet. So let's go ahead and get get this wrapped up real quick here. Um, not as big of a uh, not as big of a, dis- a discrepancy as you might think that was because I actually really enjoyed the main event, but I have to go with Finn and AJ for the best match here. On such short notice for them to be able to put on the performance that they did and to give people a tease of what's to come down the road once they have an opportunity to work at it and actually put something together going forward in the actual the actual storyline background to it as well. So I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the main event or with the Finn Balor and AJ Styles match. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, there aren't really that many bad matches on this show, but to me, you know, despite being super short notice, you know, and not having any semblance of a story, and all of a sudden it becomes pretty much the most hype match of this entire show. And AJ and Finn lived up to that hype. They pulled it off. You know, like, like, like this wasn't the first time they've ever faced off. Like, they've faced each other 5,000 times, and they just went with it. Um, you know, I, I will say the two, main rock, the two main show women's matches, I think both of them delivered in ways you didn't expect, though. You know, so I give credit to those two matches as well. The DLC match was clunky, it was long. It didn't have the same gravitas to me as past DLC matches, but it served its purpose at the very least. And Kurt Angle, you know, looked like Kurt. So, you know. But yeah, to me, AJ and Finn is undisputed the best match of this show. So, all right. So hopefully we can finish this up real quick and we can get out of here. What's your final score? I'm going to go with a seven, which frankly is a lot higher than my expectations were going into the show about 72 hours ago. I 
I don't necessarily know that the angle for Roman switch makes a huge difference as far as what the overall game plan was. I mean, certain things were probably adjusted to help fit Kurt's strengths a little bit better. But I think we can all 100% unequivocally agree that Wyatt missing this show and Styles being put into his place made for a significantly better match than what Finn and Bray would have put on. So, all in all, I was very happy with the way it turned out here, and I'm... uh, I'm going to go back and rewatch that Finn and uh, AJ match in order to make sure that I didn't miss anything during the course of it that makes it stand out even more than it already does. Um, yeah, I, I would say a seven. I don't really... I, for me, the Cruiserweight match being the worst, you know, it wasn't horrendous, but I just wasn't a fan of it. The two women's matches, Emma looks way better than Emma's looked. And Mickey looks as good as she's looked in a long time, you know, in that one. Uh, the Cruiserweight tag match, wow. You know, they all four of them put, put on one hell of a show. Elias and Jason, well, <laughs> I mean, they're not AJ and Finn. <laughs> you know, it's not like you can give them an even shorter notice than AJ and Finn and expect magic. You know, they did what they had to do. They got the match in, and they got something started. So I'm okay with it. The main events, sure, maybe there's a lot I wasn't a fan of, you know, but once again, it served its purpose. It started Braun and Kane, we think, and it pretty much continues the story. And then, you know, Kurt pinning Miz, we'll see what happens with that. Sorry, folks, I'm still okay with Angle being in the match. Instead of, you know, oh, there's 14 other wrestlers on, you know, the main roster that aren't retired or aren't almost injured, any one of them could replace Roman. Bull. Kurt replacing Roman makes sense because of the fact that Miz was already somewhat feuding with Kurt. Kurt was the ideal person to put in there. Did they have to work around his strengths? Yes. But they still pulled it off. So, yeah, I I would absolutely say a seven of a show. And, all right, I'll ask you now, which one was better, Hell in a Cell or TLC? Um, Chet called them probably about a wash. I think I gave Helen a cell of six and a half, if I recall correctly. Somewhere around that range. I don't remember the exact number. I'd have to go back and listen to the archives, which you can do as well by checking out w2mnet.com, by the way, or YouTube, yeah. Stitcher, iTunes, whatever, wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for the Wrestling to the Max Network. I would say it's probably about a wash. I'm, de- I'm declaring draw. See, I have to do that too, but to me, the undercard for TLC blew away Hell in a Cell, but to me, I thought the main event for Hell in a Cell, while maybe it was a little too long for its own good, was better than the TLC main event. So, to me, I I think I'm kind of in the same boat of it being a wash. I think if you, you know, did an average score of the matches, I'm guessing TLC would probably come out ahead. I really do think so, because 
there really weren't any horrific matches on here. And we didn't get Jinder and Nakamura. Seriously, Jinder's still the champion. Anyway, so that about wraps things up here for us here on Wu Reacts to WWE TLC. We will be back reacting four weeks from tonight with the 31st annual, I stalled because of the number, I was trying to think of it, with the 30th anniversary, the actual 30th anniversary of Survivor Series in Houston. However, we, as Wrestling Unwrapped, will be back next week, we promise, with our 49th episode as we celebrate Halloween on the show with Halloween Havoc 1997. Not 98, we did that last year. So you have that to look forward to. And then we will start in November, and, well, we're still kind of determining whether or not we want to do what we want to do for number 50. So we'll figure that one out. And that will be next week. And then, once again, we will react one month from tonight for WWE Survivor Series. I have a quick question before we get out of here, actually. Is it something we should be talking about off-air? Uh, we can discuss it on air. Are you going to make November 12th? No. You are not? No. All right. November 12th, in case anybody doesn't know, that Shimmer Weekend, Patrick's a regular there, kind of his thing. Um, I already have a co-host lined up. I'll explain once we get off air. Okay. So be on the lookout for that one as well. As always, we are a presentation of the W2M Network. For more information, including our previous Wu Reacts episodes and our 47th, 8th episode, and all previous episodes of Wrestling Unwrapped, along with the new Top 25 rankings for college football, and our written reviews. Anyway, uh, be sure to check out W2Mnet.com as well as previous episodes being on 411mania.com and lastwordonprowrestling.com. So until next time, for our producer, Sean Garmer, and for Harry Broadhurst, I'm Patrick Ketza. We will see you next week. You have been listening to Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts to WWE TLC here on the W2M Network. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.